Well, good morning, everybody watching from home. Good morning to all of you here in the room. Uh, as you guys know, we like to begin our services with this greeting that Christians have been using for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. Thank you. It's good to be with you, those of you in the room. It's good to have you that are at home uh, worshiping with us right now. Thank you for continuing to, uh, to connect together uh, during this time of... Um, of virus, of staying at home, of trying to keep ourselves safe. Uh, we're glad that you're with us, even though you're not here in the room. It's a good thing to know that, uh, that we can continue to connect with each other, uh, even during times when we can't all gather together. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for the imagery uh, in these songs, the Im imagery that often is taken right out of the scriptures. God, we are so grateful for all the ways that you have, uh, have loved us and have given us the opportunity to express our gratitude for that love. God, thank you for artists who put these words to paper and, and to music. Thank you for those who, who lead us in singing those songs today. And thank you, God, for the ways that, uh, that you connect our hearts with yours. God, we were, we were orphans, and you adopted us. You drew us close. Uh, you, you loved us before we ever even knew who you were. Some of us had heard of you, God, and we were, we were busy shaking our fists at you. We were busy deciding we were God, that we were in charge of our lives. And still, in that, in that state, as you saw us making such a huge mess of our lives, damaging ourselves and the people around us and this world you've given us. God, in the middle of all of that, you loved us and you drew us to yourself. You chased us down by your Holy Spirit. And now you've got us to this place where here we are in a worship service, singing songs to you, uh, getting ready to listen to the scriptures, to hear your spirit speaking to us. God, I pray that that would be uh, a, a genuine and real conversation today between us and you between our heart and your heart, between our, our spirits and yours. God, that we can be honest with you about all that we are experiencing, all that we bring with us into this moment. Because, God, you know uh, that some of us have some real griefs and we need your comfort. We've got some real confusion and we need some wisdom from you. We've got some real anxiety and we need your peace. We've got some real frustrations, God. And we need your help to, to turn those frustrations and those angers into, in a good and constructive direction. So we can join you in your work of, of doing justice. God, some of us are just face to face right now with our own failures and we're feeling the guilt of it and the shame of it. And God, we need, we need your forgiveness. We need your grace. We need in this moment to, to see your face looking at us, not with condemnation, not with anger, but with love, with compassion. Ready to forgive. Ready to heal what's broken ready to renew and restore us so that we can live the lives you created us to live, so that we can experience your joy and your peace even in the midst of struggle and hardship. Thank you, God. Thank you for drawing us together today. Help us to pay attention to you so that we can be changed by you and so then that we can be agents of change here in this world so that we can cooperate with you in the work that you're doing God, many of us this morning, the things that weigh on our hearts have very little to do with us. They have to do with the, the things that we see around us, people that we love, people, some of God, people we don't even know, but we, we hear about them or we read about them or we see them on the news. And God, we, we see some of the struggles that other people are facing 
and it's, it's difficult for us, God. We don't know what to do with that. God, I thank you that, that you know each one of those circumstances, those things that weigh on our hearts, weigh on yours. That you are present with the grieving. You are present with the hurting. You are present with the, the fearful. You are present with the, the sick, the lonely, the angry. Every human being you have put on this planet, God, you are with them right now. You know their hearts. You know their lives. And you are at work. You are hearing their cries. You are coming to rescue. And, and God, we're aware that over and over in Scripture, when you come to rescue, you send someone. You may be sending one of us to go and to be your agent of reconciliation, to be uh, your hands and your feet in someone else's life, to be your listening ear, to be that compassionate voice. Please, God, help us to be changed by you so that we can be a part of your work here in the world that you are doing. Thank you, God, for never giving up on us. Thank you for always being with us. Thank you for continuing to work because you know we need it. Thank you, God. We pray all this confident in you, confident in your love, confident in your ability to actually transform us and to work through us because you have shown us this amazing love in Jesus Christ. It's in him that we find ourselves having hope in you, putting our trust in you. So it's in Jesus' name that we offer this prayer. Amen. Amen. Uh, well, the peace of the Lord be with you. And with you. Okay, good. Thank you. I'm, I'm trusting that you all said it back to me too. All right. Um, ordinarily, this is when we would go greet each other. We're still not able to do that. But uh, as the musicians are making their way back to their seats, can you all just kind of look around and give somebody a wave and see somebody that you didn't realize had walked in while you weren't looking and, and say, hey, good morning. Oh, peace. Yeah. All right. Um, yes. All right. Good. Good. And, uh, and thank you again, all of you who are participating from home. Uh, we've got over half of our church right now is participating from home and not, not here in the room with us. And we're so glad that you are. Um, we look forward to uh, seeing you again once things change. I'm not, we don't know when that's going to be. We don't know how that's going to work exactly. We're continuing to pray and trust God that, that he is going to be working through, uh, through doctors and nurses and researchers and all the people that lead us through this stuff. Um, we join you in praying. Uh, for God to, to speed that work so that uh, hopefully someday soon we can uh, all kind of get back to life as we've known it before. Uh, anybody else kind of uh, frustrated by the slowness of the whole thing? Is it just, is it just me? All right. I think especially as things have, have started to open up, uh, that it, it kind of makes me even more frustrated because it's like, oh, now I've got a taste of the life that I once knew. <laughs> you know? it's, not, it's not anymore like, okay, yep, we're all just kind of hunkered down. We're not seeing anybody. We're not doing anything. Now we're kind of beginning to venture out, and it's like, yes, I want all of that, and I can't have all of that. I can't, I can't shake your hands this morning, uh, even, and that's frustrating. I, I'm not as big of a hugger as some of you, but I know some of you are just, just like, mm, I want to hug that person, and I can't, you know. And, uh, and some of you at home just want to be in the room with us, even, and you, you don't feel like you can do that yet. And, uh, whew, man, it's, uh, it's not easy, but, uh, but God is with us. He's going to see us through. Uh, 
So if you are uh, watching online, uh, we would love for you to fill out one of those digital connect cards. I think there's a comment or a link somewhere in, in the comments there. Uh, let us know that you're worshiping with us today. I can't see you. You can see me right now, I hope. Yes, I think you can. All right, uh, you can see me. I can't see you. And uh, I would love to know that you're with us. I know some of you are chiming in on Facebook comments or YouTube or, or church online or whatever. But uh, if, you would send a, if you would click that link and fill out one of those connect cards, uh, we would deeply appreciate it. And of course, if we can be praying for you, that's a good way to let us know uh, how to pray for you. You guys can do that too. You know, you can pull out your phones and fill out one of those. Uh, or you can grab one of the little welcome cards and drop it in the offering box if you want. Um, Oh, and of course, if you've been participating from home all this time, you already know there's a link too. You can click uh, to give online. Uh, thank you to all of you who have been continuing to support the work that God is doing through this church and, uh, and through us, uh, ministry around the world. Uh, I, I serve on a couple of denominational committees as part of the Church of the Nazarene, uh, some committees that are just kind of Northwest Indiana focused, some that are globally focused, and, uh, and so I get to see and I get to hear about the, the way our dollars that you give, that I give, uh, the way those get used around the world, and uh, it's good. It's good work. Um, I should do a better job of letting you guys all know what all of that is. You could always go to Nazarene.org and just click around and find out like, oh, wow, the Church of Nazarene is doing that? Wait, and I'm a part of that? I'm a part of the people doing work there and, uh, and helping people there? That's, that's amazing. Uh, so thank you for continuing to give so that we can continue to do ministry here and, and around the world. Um, I feel like there's a couple other things. I know we've got some changes that are beginning to take place now. Some of you are worshiping with us here. Uh, we're going to just continue doing a service at 9 until we get to a Sunday where it's like, oh, we really should have had a second service. There's people in the hallway or something. That's not our situation today. Uh, and so next Sunday, we'll continue just to do a service at 9 o'clock. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll see what happens in July. That might be the time, or it might be August, or it might be September. We'll see. As soon as more of our church family is able to join us, we'll make sure we make room uh, for folks. And, uh, and add that 10:30 service. Um, there are some things that are changing. Wednesday night Bible study has started to meet here. Um, I think the women's Bible study has as well. Um, and uh, but the Wednesday night one, at least, we're still split. Uh, some folks are on Zoom. Some folks are here in the room. And so if you would like to join us, I think there's a link on on our website, LivingHope.info, for the Zoom link, or you can show up here Wednesday night at 5:30. Uh, we are still just like on Sunday morning. We're asking you to wear a mask as you come and go and interact uh, up close with folks. And then once you get to your spot in the room, you can take off the mask. And you know we're kind of yelling to each other across the room to make sure we can hear. But um, or you can just chime in on Zoom. I'll actually be on Zoom. I won't be here this Wednesday. So if you connect with us on Zoom, that, that's great. I'll be right here with you. Um, I know there might be some changes. I don't know if you guys figured out with the kids ministry thing yet. If it's Okay, the, so kids ministry is happening on Zoom at 1030. I know it is this morning, and they're talking about at some point maybe making some changes there, uh, but we'll make sure and, and keep you aware of that, or if you have questions about any of that. If you're like if you've never participated in the kids' ministry stuff here before, maybe you're, you're new to our church and you've just been connecting from home and uh, you'd like to know what's going on for kids. You didn't know that we had a, a kids' children's church thing at Zoom at 1030. Uh, let us know. Reach out. Use that Connect card and say, hey, I, I want that link. And uh, we'll make sure and get that to you. Uh, it's the kind of thing we didn't want to just like promote widely because it's like kids and their parents. But, uh, but we'd be happy to get that to you if you want to participate with that. Uh, all right. So... Um, I'm looking forward, too, just to being able to put notes in your hands. Uh, I'm bad with that. I'm bad with getting them on the screen. I'm great with putting them in your hands, but I don't feel like I can do that yet. So I think next week we'll start putting notes in your hands, uh, at least, and make sure that we get them on the screen and uh, just kind of change things up so that you've got what I'm looking at you can see. Because I, 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 sorry, I'm just going to apologize. Sorry, don't have it. And so you're just going to have to listen. And I know that's hard to do. Um, this is Father's Day. Uh, happy Father's Day to all of you. Um, 
I know the last year or two, I can't remember now when it was, that uh, we had started giving out like uh, ice-cold bottles of root beer at Father's Day. I don't remember whose idea that was, but I thought it was a good one. And, uh, and I'm wishing I could do that right now. But like, oh, yeah, again, we're not giving things, we're not handing things to each other. Um, but uh, Father's Day is, um, you know, Mother's Day, Father's Day are both these opportunities where we thank God for the parents that we've got and where we think about the ways that God is presented as our heavenly parent in the scriptures, especially Father, because uh, that's language that we as Christians use for, for God all the time. Jesus called God Father. Uh, I'd forgotten this, but uh, uh, I was looking back at an old Father's Day message I did like 18 years ago. I was like, oh yeah, I'd said that then. I'd, I'd forgotten about that. I'm like teaching myself good stuff. Um, that like Jesus' very first recorded words in the Gospels were when he was 12 years old, and he says to his parents, they're looking for him, and he, and he had been in the temple. They lost track of him. Uh, terrifying thing to happen for parents, you know, lose track of your 12-year-old kid. Um, but when they find him, he says, well, didn't you know I, I had to be in my father's house or about my father's business? Referring to God as his father there in the temple. The first words that Jesus says are calling God his father. And the last words that Jesus says from the cross before his death, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. From beginning to end, Jesus refers to God as Father and teaches us to. I mean, we're going to pray here in just a few minutes, Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. We're taught by Jesus to call God Father. But what kind of Father is God? That's the question that's been echoing in my head this week. What kind of Father is God, anyway? Uh, that's the, the, the danger of this parental imagery, is that uh, that means that we then draw on our own experiences with our own parents. Now, I'm fortunate. My mom's in the room, and uh, my dad normally would be, but he's, uh, he's a pastor, retired pastor, retired pastor, and uh, still filling in at another church that's in between pastors. Uh, I'm happy to admit I had great parents, all right? Almost no complaints. None that I'm going to air right now, of course. Uh, but uh, love my folks. And so it was easy for me growing up to think like, oh, so God is kind of like my parents, but even more awesome? Okay, cool. You know, Some of you, I know that's not been the case. You know, you had a father who was, uh, when you hear God as father, you're like, oh, no, don't like that. That is not something I'm interested in. If God's anything like my dad, that is not a story I want to be a part of, not a relationship I want to enter into. I've talked with some of you and heard some of your stories about how that was a hang-up for you for a while, um, that you had trouble approaching God because of your own father uh, that, and the experiences you'd had with your father. For some of you, your father was just absent, left long ago. Uh, for some of you, your father was abusive. For some, your father was just, uh, I mean, there's all kinds of bad ways fathers can go bad, right? Uh, just like there's all kinds of ways that fathers can be good. Um, and uh, so is God like those things? Um, sometimes when we struggle in life, when life gets hard, when life gets bad, when we look around and we see all kinds of horrible stuff happening around us, we think, so where is God? Maybe God is one of those kinds of fathers. Maybe he is an absentee father. Maybe he's just not paying attention to what's going on here in the world. Uh, I've got good news for you. That's not the case, all right? Uh, I'm just looking at, at Scripture. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, he said, What's the price of two sparrows? One copper coin? But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. It's an ever-changing number for all of us, right? Um, a little simpler for some than for others to count those. But uh, the hairs on your head are all numbered, so don't be afraid. You're more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. And he's like saying, look, you matter to God. God is paying attention. He is present with us. Psalm 145, verse 18 says, The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. And, uh, and actually, the verses leading up to that in, in Psalm 145, you know, just read the whole thing. Uh, I won't read the whole thing just now, but uh, verse 8 is one of my favorite descriptions of God. It's used repeatedly in the scriptures. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and rich in love. 
I love that picture of God that we get from the scriptures. He's gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love. The Lord is good to all, has compassion on all he has made. A few verses later, the Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. He's not absent. He's not, you know, fickle. He's trustworthy. He's faithful. The Lord upholds all who fall, lifts up all who are bowed down. Uh, A few verses later, the Lord is righteous in all his ways, faithful in all he does. And then verse 18, the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. God's not absent from our lives. We might feel an absence sometimes. We might sometimes find ourselves crying out along with with Jesus that uh, when he quotes from Psalm 22, right? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We might feel forsaken sometimes. But the reality is that God is present, just like God was present there on the cross with his son Jesus as he died for our sins. He is present with us, even when life makes it feel like he's absent. Well, is, he, is he fickle? Is he abusive? Is he one of those fathers where like, sometimes he seems like he loves you, but then you say just the wrong thing or just the right thing? It doesn't seem to matter. And he turns around and like, his face changes, and all of a sudden he's angry, and all of a sudden there comes the fist or there comes whatever, and, uh, and it's just ugly. Is he, is he an abusive father? Some people, that's the image they have of God. And if they're going to think of God as, as a father at all, like, well, then he must be one sick son of a gun because he's, you know, look at what he does to the world. Look at what happens to me, what happens to our lives. He must be, an, if he's in a father, he's an abusive one. But the Bible says repeatedly, no, no, there's no, there's no like God on a good day and God on a bad day with God. First John chapter 1 says God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. I think it's James that says... Uh, um, that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of the heavenly lights who doesn't change like shifting shadows. And it's not like the, I think he's referring to like the moon where like, you know, there's different phases and sometimes it's a full moon, nice and bright. Sometimes like it's just a sliver. Sometimes it's dark. It's like, no, God's not like that. Like, no, no, he's always good. God is light. There's no darkness in him. Or a few verses, or a few couple chapters later in 1 John chapter 4, he just says God is love. I mean, he said it repeatedly. God is love. God in his very nature is love. There's no, there's no abuse. There's no hate. There's no ugliness in God. God is love. Psalm 103 picks up this idea. And uh, actually, I'm just going to go ahead and start back on verse 6 with this one. It picks up the theme from last week as we were talking about doing justice and loving mercy, walking humbly with our God. Uh, Psalm 103 verse 6 says, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. There it is again. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him, those who trust him, those who worship him, those who revere him. If you read some of the other English translations there. This is a God who is not abusive. This is a God who is full of love, who is compassionate, just like a parent, a father would be compassionate to his children. The Lord has compassion on us. Well, then maybe, uh, maybe God's just kind of a, a, a big wimp in the sky. Then Maybe he's just kind of a weak father. He just can't protect us, can't stop the evil that's happening in the world. Maybe there's just, maybe God loves us and he would like to help, but he just, and he's present with us, he knows it, but he just can't, can't do anything about it. But the God we read about in the Bible, we just, a couple months ago, wasn't it? We were looking at Genesis, how it, the Bible starts out with God creating everything. 
Uh, he's, God said, let there be light, and there was light. I mean, he's got the power just to create the whole world. That's, that's some serious power. I mean, he can change things. God can do stuff. You know, he is not, he's not weak. Instead, he, he creates everything, sustains everything. Everything exists because God upholds it. Uh, to go to the story of Jesus, which we like to you know, center our lives on, in Matthew chapter 9, it says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. And he was able to change people's circumstances, to bring healing where there was sickness or brokenness. God is not weak. God is able. He is with us. He knows us, and he loves us. Now, obviously, that doesn't mean that everything just goes fine all the time, because it doesn't. We look around at the world. That's what gives rise to these questions. Is it like, well, so why then is life hard? Why doesn't everything go my way? If God loves me and he's with me and he, he could make everything good, why, why are things sometimes so difficult? And we, we, again, if we go back to Genesis, we see we live in a broken world. We decided. God, from the very beginning, was committed to this, this project of working with and through human beings. He creates us in his image. He gives us responsibility. And we abuse that responsibility. We, we reject his leadership. And we decide we know best for ourselves. And, and God is a is a father who allows us to live with the consequences of our actions, even as he is at work to, to lead us back, even as he is at work to redeem and restore and to help uh, reverse some of those consequences as we trust in him. Still, there are consequences to the, the decisions that we make. And the story of Adam and Eve isn't just a, a story of like something that happened a long, long time ago. It's something that happens in each of our lives, something that we continue to do as people today. We continue to, to run from God. We continue to reject God. We continue to, to make terrible choices that impact not just us, but, but others. And, uh, and sadly, that's, that's a reality that we live with. I, I want us just to look at two comparisons that the Bible makes uh, that help me to think about God being kind of like an earthly dad. All right? Um, uh, there's at least a couple spots, uh, one in the teachings of Jesus, uh, another in the book of Hebrews, uh, that talk about things that we do and then kind of says, so if we're like that, then surely God must be even better, right? Um, in Matthew chapter 7, it's part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Uh, fantastic reading, if you haven't read it, and, uh, and good for us to think about like, oh, this is how Jesus expects us to live, okay. In, in chapter 7, verse 7, he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be open. Everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, the one who knocks the door will be open. In other words, you never ask, you're never going to get it. You don't ever go looking for it, you're not going to find it. If you never knock on the door, how do, why do you expect the doors just to open magically in front of you? you? You have to knock, you have to seek, you have to ask. And then he says in verse 9, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? Now I know obviously the answer for some of us is, well yeah, I, my dad did that, you know. My dad wasn't a good dad. But he's appealing to kind of the compassion of the people he's talking to. He's like, look, if, if your own kid is hungry, you're not going to give him a rock. You're going to give him bread to eat. If he asks for a fish, you're not going to give him a snake. Something's going to hurt him. You're going to give him, you know, I, I don't know if the fish was for food or for a pet. Probably for food in this story. All right. All right. Pet snakes are a thing, I guess. But. but then in verse 11, he says, if you then, though you are evil, he's just acknowledging like compared to god we are not you know we are not like god we are we are flawed messed up human beings if you as a messed up human being as messed up fathers know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him 
He's inviting us into this relationship with God where we ask God for the things that we need. Where we're invited to say, okay, God, you know I need wisdom here. I've been trying to do this on my own. I'm realizing I can't figure this out. I need you to guide me. We say, okay, God, I need your strength. I'm just out of it. I say, okay, God, I need your strength. Would you give me strength to be able to handle this circumstance, to be able to handle this person? Would you give me the ability to forgive? Would you give me the ability to be patient? Whatever it might be that you're needing to deal with. God, would you give me what I need in this moment? That's what we pray in just a few minutes, to give us this day our daily bread. Would you provide for my needs, God? We shouldn't be shy to ask. If we messed up human beings can, ask, can, can provide for our kids, well, surely, God, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And in Hebrews chapter 12, uh, starting in verse 7, it says, uh, these are, it's written to people who are going through difficult times. And he says, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you're not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you're not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it, hopefully. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They, these human fathers, disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good, in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Saying when we go through difficulty and we wonder, God, why are you allowing me to go through this difficulty? Uh, I think it's James again who says, you know, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. The testing of your faith produces perseverance, which then helps you to become mature. And, and there's all kinds of benefits that come from that. It's a similar, similar thought. He's saying, look, you could think of this hardship you're going through as discipline. God loves you, and so he wants you to grow, and he's going to use this to shape you. He's going to use this to, to make you better in some way, somehow. Now, I know that's not always easy to see, right? Sometimes we read Romans 8.28 um, that talks about how God's at work in all things, you know, for our good, for the good of those who love him or called according to his purpose. And we think, really? God's at work in this? God's at work in what I'm going through right now? I don't see how that's possible. I don't see how God's going to bring anything good out of this mess. And I think back to some of the stories of Scripture, like, uh, like Joseph back in Genesis again, to go back to that first book once again. You know, the, like the end of the book is about this young man named Joseph who, uh, who goes through great difficulty. His brothers uh, reject him. And uh, in fact, they're, they're going to kill him. And instead of killing him, they think, oh, wait, wait a second. We kill him. He's just dead. But we can make some money. Look, there's some slave traders walking by. Hey, 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 we got a young man here. You can, you can take him. And they sell their younger brother to slave traders. Think about it. Go back and tell their dad he died. So the dad thinks he's dead. They know, like, oh, yeah, we made some money. Hey, let's go. And then we got rid of that annoying kid. You know, there's too many of us already. Joseph goes, he's, he's sold into slavery down in Egypt. Uh, he's falsely accused of sexual assault, ends up in prison. And then while he's in prison, he's friends with some people that uh, he ends up, there's a whole thing about Joseph and dreams and being able to interpret dreams and all that, which some of you know if you've read the story or watched the musical or whatever. Um, and uh, he's, he meets some fellow prisoners, one of whom like, is like, close to Pharaoh, and he knows, like, oh, you're going to be released. You're going to be back with Pharaoh. When you do, put in a good word for him. He says, oh, yeah, I will. No problem. And he immediately forgets Joseph. Joseph's left in, in jail longer. Finally, Joseph's out. Finally, his, his journey takes an upswing, and he, he's free, and he helps Pharaoh to understand his dreams, helps Pharaoh to anticipate some problems that are coming for Egypt. And Pharaoh is so appreciative, he puts him in charge, basically, of the whole country. Joseph's like second in command of all of Egypt. 
So that when, his, when this great famine sweeps over the whole world, his brothers have to come down and ask Joseph for help. They don't recognize him because he's uh, you know, dressed like an Egyptian, sounds like an Egyptian, smells like an Egyptian at this point. And, uh, and they just think he's some Egyptian you know, guy they can't even look at because they're afraid. And uh, don't realize they're talking to the younger brother they sold into slavery. Then they'd really be afraid. But by the end of the story, sorry, this is a big digression. By the end of the story, Joseph is able to say to his brothers, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. All that junk I went through, if you guys had never sold me into slavery, I wouldn't have ended up down here in Egypt. I wouldn't have been in a position to help Pharaoh understand his dreams. I wouldn't be in this position now to save your lives by providing food for you during this time of famine. God knew what he was doing. And he was even able to use your stinking, rotten, evil hearts, selling your younger brother into slavery. He was even able to work through that for our good. Sometimes it might feel like God is absent. Sometimes it might feel like, like this, this is just plainly unfair, God. But God has bigger, bigger plans in mind that include us. And if we'll trust him, he will lead us through and we'll be able to participate in the good work that he is doing. Again, this, this talks about it in terms of discipline. And uh, as a father now myself, for years I just taught this as like, yeah, of course I understand this, that makes sense. Now I've got little four-year-olds who tell me when I'm making them take the third time out in an hour, like, you're a bad dad or whatever. How did he say it now? You're a bad father. How do you, I can't remember what he said now. I'm like, no, no, you just need to quit hitting your brother. You know, um, I don't remember what it was now, but it is, you know, they're coming back at me already at four. And um, I'm like, I know you don't like this. But I want you to be the kind of person that, like, people want to be around. I want you to be the kind of person that doesn't end up in jail someday. You know, the kind of person who can control yourself and not lash out. And, you know, I'm trying to, trying to discipline them, trying to train them into, into good human beings. And uh, that's what God is doing for us. We, we, I love the way it says it. They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. And as flawed, messed up human beings, our best sometimes isn't all that great. Right? We think we're doing a good job, and we're like, oh, man, we're doing damage along the way as well. But God disciplines us for our good. Like, God knows best. We think we know best, but we understand that probably eh, not all the time. We think we are. We're trying hard. But, but God actually is able to discipline us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. He says, then it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. God is this amazing Father of us all. Um, just had one of us at the Bible study Wednesday night saying like they love this idea of God as Father because it helps them to, to feel like they're part of, part of the family. You know, in their own experience, they didn't have much family and now they know I'm part of the family. God has, has made me his own. I've got brothers and sisters. I'm part of God's family. God loves us. He's with us. So what do we do with this? Uh, just a couple, a couple ideas. Uh, uh, first off, if you haven't already, just accept the love of your Heavenly Father. You know? Accept that God loves you and say yes to that love. Let him forgive your sins. Let him adopt you as his own. Let him embrace you. Trust, put your trust in him. You know, uh, John chapter 1, verse 12 says, to, to all who received Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. A couple chapters later, the most famous verse there in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God didn't send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That's what he wants to do for each and every one of us. So if you haven't already, just accept the love that your Heavenly Father has for you. Let him love you. Accept it. 
Accept his grace and his forgiveness. Celebrate being God's child. First John chapter 3, verse 1 says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that's what we are. It's like he's just like, I'm just thinking about this, and man, it's just like, this is so good. This is amazing. Can't believe that God would love us like this. Begin to live as children of our loving Heavenly Father. Ephesians chapter 5 says, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us, gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Like, if we're going to live as his children, that means we're going to look more and more like our Heavenly Father. We're going to look more and more like Jesus. And, of course, trust, trust him through it all. There was a prayer that Jesus prayed uh, the night he was being betrayed. He's out there in the garden with his disciples, and he's praying, and he says, Abba, Father. Abba, that, the word in his language just means Dad. Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, and don't make me drink from this cup of suffering. Yet not what I will but what you will. He says, I trust you completely, God. You are my father. I know you love me. I'm asking you to do this. I'm asking you to help me. But ultimately, I'm going to trust you. And whatever it is, wherever it is that you lead, Heavenly Father, I will follow. Whatever it is you need me to do, I know you've got plans that are bigger than me and my happiness and my comfort. So if, if I need to suffer, if I need to go through difficulty, then I'm going to trust you, Heavenly Father. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to participate. I'm going to cooperate with you and the work you're doing in the world that involves me I'm going to trust and do what you want me to do because you are my heavenly father, because I know you love me. That's what makes that kind of commitment possible. It's when you know that God loves you, when you know that he's with you, when you know that he's going to see you through, that makes it possible to say yes to him. Let's bow our heads and let's pray before we sing some more and celebrate communion together. God, thank you for loving us. Uh, on this Father's Day, we thank you for, uh, for our own fathers and the impact they had on us. And uh, maybe even today, God, we're able to thank you even uh, in the midst of, for some of us, bad memories and bad experiences with fathers. Um, maybe, God, that has helped us to be hungrier for a, a good father figure in our lives and more open to you as our father to do for us, provide for us those things that our earthly father never did. Others of us, God, we're just thanking you because we had such great examples. It's been easy for us to relate to you as father because of our own fathers. God, for those of us who are fathers ourselves, our parents here in the room, uh, God, would you help us to, to model your love and your compassion well to our children, even the way that you discipline God. May that impact the way that we discipline and train our kids. And the way we go through life today, God, would you help us to do it with the knowledge that the God who made us loves us that you are with us, that as a father has compassion on his children, you have compassion on us as we trust in you. Again, God, I pray that you'd help all of us who are hearing my voice right now, those who are here in the room and those who are watching, uh, participating from home. God, I pray that you would help us to accept your love, to experience this love that just overwhelms us, that we could know ourselves to be loved by you. God, today, we open our lives, we open our hearts, our minds, our lives to you. We give ourselves to you. We turn from sin. We turn from selfishness. We, uh, we recognize the, uh, the limitations of all of our flawed images of you that we've carried around with us for so long, thinking of you in these other ways other than, than who you really are. God, help us to see you as you really are in your holy love that you have for us. We give you ourselves and we trust because of Jesus Christ 
We trust that out of love for us, you will forgive our sins. You will not condemn us as we come to you, but instead you will forgive. You will wash us clean. You will renew and restore and heal and embrace us as your own children. Help us today, God, to feel that embrace, to sense the reality of your love for us. Transform us, God, so that we might be your, your body, your sons and daughters, your hands and feet, so that we might be um, useful to you in the work you're doing in the world, so that we might trust you just like Jesus did, so that as you send us out, we might be agents of your grace, of your peace, agents of reconciliation, agents of love. Thank you, God. Thank you that today we have the opportunity to celebrate this sacrament of holy communion, offering to you gifts of bread and juice, and trusting that by your Holy Spirit's presence here among us, that we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood, that we might experience your grace in a, in a way that some of us, God, we just we need to be able to touch it. We need to be able to taste it. We need, we need to know that this is real life. This isn't just a nice idea. So thank you, God, for this sacrament that helps us to remember the sacrifice you made out of love for us. You have purchased us, God. We mattered that much to you. You ransomed us. You have redeemed us, restored us. And now we have a chance to, to celebrate your love, to turn from sin, to allow you to transform us from the inside out. God, we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Uh, before we celebrate communion together, could I have the musicians? Should you guys lead us in that next song? Is it Give Us Clean Hands? Is that what? Come on up, guys. Come and lead us. As, as uh, I was thinking about it, I realized that, would, that song would work much better as a prelude to communion rather than a response to communion. Uh, so if you could lead us in that song, uh, we're going to prepare our hearts to receive communion together. If you're participating from home and you want to celebrate as well and you haven't already gathered bread and juice, uh, feel free to do that at this time because as this song, uh, this prayer of ours, as we sing this song, we're preparing our hearts to receive communion together. Amen. Amen. So it's with uh, humble hearts acknowledging our need of God's grace that we approach the table of our Lord Jesus. Uh, if you're here in the room, I invite you to take one of these little cups and uh, if you can manage to get the top uh, layer off of there to, to get to the bread. On the night that Jesus uh, was betrayed, he gathered with the disciples and, and took bread and, and said, this is my body broken for you. Uh, when you eat this, remember me. So let's take and eat. And after supper, he took the cup and he redefined the meaning of this Passover meal they were celebrating. He said, this, this cup is my blood of the new covenant. This seals the new agreement between God and humanity. It's for the forgiveness of sins poured out for many. He said, drink this in remembrance of me. So let's take and drink. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful 
for the love that you've shown us. Help us today to experience that love, to incorporate it into our very being, just as this bread and this juice is becoming a part of who we are right now. May your love and your grace transform us from the inside out. May it change us. The way we think, the way we live, the way we relate to other people, the way we relate to you. Thank you, God, for this amazing love that you've shown us in Jesus Christ, that he would take our sin on himself and by his death and resurrection, defeat the power of sin and death and the devil and set us free. Help us to live free today, God, as your kids, free of all the junk that would hold us back, free of those uh, horrible things, ways that we've thought about ourselves, about others free of those nasty habits that have, that have held us back, those sins, those temptations that we've continually given into that have had their claws in us. God, help us to experience freedom from those today. Help us to experience freedom to love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to truly love our neighbors, all our neighbors as ourselves. Thank you, God, for the amazing love you've shown us in Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we offer this prayer. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.